0: Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today, on A Transforming Word.
1: He opens up his prayer with worship, similar to what Jesus teaches when he gives the model prayer, you know, that we would open up the prayer um, by just, just worshiping the Lord. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be there. Then we'll just open it up with worship, and so for you guys, and maybe you know, just whatever your rhythm of prayer is, you should open up prayer before you add more stuff. We always have something to already be thankful for. Amen. If nothing else, God, thank you. Thank you for loving me. I thank, I always thank God for loving me because I know He don't have to love me.
0: Do you feel stale at your prayer time? Does it feel like you're always praying the same thing over and over again? Pastor Bill gives us keys today to invigorate our prayer life. One key is to start our prayer time by telling God about Himself. When we remind God of how good He is, we remind ourselves too. Often, we need to be reminded about who God really is and who we really are. Stating the truth about who He is and who we are invokes worship within our hearts and is a great way to start your prayer time. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Nehemiah chapter 1 for today's edition of A Transforming Word.
1: Think about the insecurity that you would have, right? Because some of you, if you live in a bad neighborhood with a door, um, you put a screen door in front of your door. And by screen door, I mean a bar door, you know, it's a an iron door. So that you you gotta really, really, really want to get up in here to get up in here, you know. Imagine they're living in this place, they they they've already been, you know, they've been released from captivity, but they're back home, and there's nothing to stop the enemy from coming back tomorrow if he wants to. That's what the broken, the broken down wall says it wouldn't even be worth building up a whole lot up in here because if you build it up real good, we'll come right back forward. There's, you have no defenses. That I want you to understand the discouragement that that would bring, that we can't protect ourselves, we can't defend ourselves. Even though they let us go, we're few in number, we're small in money, and the walls are broken down. That's the condition of God's children, and they've been burned with fire. So at least we go too far. I want to remind us, why are, it, why, why are God's kids in this predicament? Why, why is God allowing this to happen to them? Anybody? Because they were disobedient, right? Because um, sometimes people are disobedient to God and they live like this and they're like, God, why did you do this to us? As though God did something that they, when they, well, we all agree, you did this to yourself. Amen. They did this to themselves. They, they did this by not obeying God, not walking with God. So, you know, I feel bad for them. But it's their fault that they're here. It's their fault that this is the situation that they're in. But here's where the mercy of God is. God's going to burden a man to see this thing turned around. Even though this is their fault, even though their poor you know, poor, you know, situation is their own doing, God's going to burden a man in order to see this thing turned around. Because God still loves his kids even when they mess up, which is amazing to me that he's still concerned for him. Verse four, now, it says, so it was when I heard these words that I sat down and wept and mourned for many days. I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. And so I want you to see that Nehemiah hears about this. He's extremely burdened about what he hears and look at what he does with this burden. It says when he heard these words, he first he sat down and wept. So, Question for you to consider, you know the answer me out loud. When's the last time you just sat down and cried over some situation, some sin, some some brokenness, some some pain? This isn't his issue. Remember, he's in the palace. He's fine. He's concerned about somebody else. So concerned about the well-being of another group of people that he's akin to, that he's sitting down weeping. I uh, and it's not he's not just being emotional. This is he's burdened, he cares. About what's going on with somebody else, to where it says he sat down and wept. Then it says he mourned for many days. Um, he's mourning over the state of God's kids. Um, because he knows this isn't what God wants for them. He knows that this isn't God's heart, this is this isn't what God promised. We're gonna see later on that Nehemiah is well versed in the word of God. He knows this isn't what God wanted for his people, that he knows this is a, re- a result of sin, and so he's looking at the result of sin. And he's burdened. Then it says he fasted and prayed before the God. He was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. And so a word on fasting and prayer, because um, whenever it comes up in the word, I think it's a healthy thing that we go over it. There's a lot of reasons why people fasted in the word, um, but I just want to give a real quick explanation of what is fasting and prayer. We get an example here. One reason why people fasted and prayed, we see right here with Nehemiah, is because he's burdened for other people And he's like, I'm going to leave. I'm going to set aside the plate and pray um, because he wants to hear from the Lord. He wants God to give him some direction. What do we do about this? What does it mean to fast? Fasting is to not eat food. Um, There's a few different types of fast in the Bible. There is what we would call the absolute fast, which Moses did. There was no food or water as he went up the mountain. That's a supernatural fast. I don't recommend that you get up. Your body can only really go three days without water. You can go about 40 days. That's it without food if you dare. Um, and so, you know, an absolute fast, that was something that he did on multiple occasions. God called him to that and he had his encounters with the Lord. Um, there's, you know, our, a general fast is the abstaining from food, not necessarily water. Um, and it's for the purpose of seeking God. Then we have a unique situation in the book of Daniel. Uh, we call it the, the, the Daniel fast, where Daniel said, I'm only going to eat vegetables and water for 10 days. Um, and you know, God responded to his fast by making him 10 times smarter than everybody he was in class with. He made them all look dumb. And, uh, and God gave him gifts and the ability to interpret dreams and visions and everything else uh, because he, he honored God in that. He didn't defile himself with the king's delicacies and food, and so here Nehemiah fasts because he's 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 burdened, and he wants to bring his prayers before the Lord. Um, some people say, "Oh, you can fast TV, or you can fast social media, or you can fast." And I'm gonna just say that no, you can't—not biblically. You can give those things up as a means of you know you know undistracting yourself, but just don't call it a fast because it's not a fast. You can't give up something you don't need and say I fasted. You need food. And so God says, you, when you fast, you're basically telling your body, who's gonna say, it's, it's, brother, it's breakfast time, sir. It's lunchtime, ma'am. It's dinner time, sir. And you're telling your flesh no for the purpose of focusing on the Lord. It's a healthy spiritual discipline and practice. Um, Jesus said in Matthew 6, um, he linked up three things giving, prayer, and fasting to each three. He said, when you do these things, When you pray, don't pray like the hypocrites, pray like this. When you give, don't give like the hypocrites, but give like this. When you fast, and whenever he says when, it's because there's an expectation that this is something the disciples would do in a regular rhythm of our life. So we should have regular rhythm. You can fast a meal, you can fast a day, you can fast. There's no rule or law to how often, how long, but it should be in the rhythm of the life of the believer that you have regular intervals where you just, I'm going to pass the plate for whatever season you decide for the purpose of seeking God. So, so back to this now, Nehemiah is moved uh, to fast. His burden has moved him to prayer. And I just wanted to say this, um, there are a lot of things you can do with a burden. Prayer is what you should do with a burden. Because now you're bringing the burden to the one who, who knows what to do with it. You know, If you take your burden and they turn your burden into complaints, That's not helping anybody do anything, amen? So if you get stirred up about some cause and you find 10 other people to complain to about the cause and now 10 of y'all are stirred up about the cause, you ain't done anything. You haven't accomplished anything. But you take that burden to the Lord in prayer and and let God give some direction, let God give you some insight. You're at least taking it to the one that can do anything and knows what should be done about it, amen? Amen. So his burden has moved him to sit down, to weep, to mourn for many days, to fast and pray before the God of heaven. Now he's going to begin in verse five to pray. And I, I kind of broke his prayer down into parts. And I want to I want to go over that with us as we look at his, his prayer to God. It, it breaks down into several parts. First, verse five, he opens up his prayer with worship. So look at verse five. It says, and I said, he's talking to God. So that's why this is prayer. And I said, I pray, Lord God of heaven. Oh, great and awesome God, you who keep your covenant and mercy with those who love you and observe your commandments. And so he opens up his prayer with worship, similar to what Jesus teaches when he gives the model prayer, you know, that we would open up the prayer um, by just, just worshiping the Lord, our Father who art in heaven. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be there. Then we will just open it up with worship. And so for you guys, it maybe you know, just whatever your rhythm of prayer is, you should open up prayer before you ask for stuff. We always have something to already be thankful for. Amen? If nothing else, God, thank you. Thank you for loving me. I, thank, I always thank God for loving me because I know he don't have to love me. And I know that he loved me when I was unlovely, so I know he loved me now. And um, But I'm thankful for it. I'm glad that God loves me, you know? What if he didn't? I'd be lost. I'd be going to hell. You know, I'm genuinely grateful that He loves me. Um, so thank Him. Whatever else, whatever whatever flows out of your heart, um, but we can just worship Him for a while first. I thank You. Thank You for um my salvation. Thank You that I remember. Thank You that I have access to do what I'm doing right now, which is to have an audience with You. So He opens up with worship. He's I praise to the Lord, Lord God of heaven. Oh, great and awesome God. He's reminding God, you know, you're great and awesome. You who keep your covenant and mercy with those who love you, God. You are covenant-keeping, God, um, with those who love you. And mercy with those who love you and observe your commandments. Then verse 6 and 7, we're going to see a, a fervent pleading and a confession of sin. And interesting for Nehemiah, these aren't his sins. He's going conf- to add himself to the number of their sins and confess with them, even though he didn't do it. So... I'll come back to that when we get there. Look at verse 6 and 7. He says, "Please let your ear be attentive and your eyes open that you may hear the prayer of your servant which I pray before you now day and night for the children of Israel, your servants." I want you to note the there's a fervency to the prayer. He's this he's not just a one-time thing. He's I'm 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 coming before the Lord day and night about this. Um and for you guys that don't know, can you keep coming back to God with something? Yeah. God said, "Keep asking." Keep seeking, keep knocking. Pray till you get an answer. Pray till you hear back something. Um, There's nothing wrong with, you know, you're not going to wear God out. You know, But we can continue to ask, continue to seek, continue to knock until we hear something back. Now, if God says no. Do you keep going back? No, you don't. No means no. Uh, (laughs) If he says, well, if you get an answer, you you need to receive it. But until you hear back, you, you just keep going with the Lord. So day and night he was bringing this before the Lord. He says, so which I prayed before you now, day and night, before for, for the children of Israel, your servants. And now he says, and confess the sins of the children of Israel, which we have sinned against you. Both my father's house and I have sinned. We have acted very corruptly against you and have not kept the commandments, the statutes, nor the ordinances which you commanded your servant Moses. And so he says, look, God, I know what we did wrong and he's including himself, as he's interceding for them, he's saying, I know why we're in this predicament. I know why the walls are torn down. I know why everything's a mess, because we've been disobedient. We were disobedient. My, Our fathers that were lived before us were disobedient, and that's why we're in this predicament. I want to tell you what's right about this. Some people make the mistake of, in their prayers and complaining to God, acting as though like God almost judging God like he did. God, I don't know why you would allow this to happen. I don't know why this is happening. I don't know why this and blah, blah, blah. And I'm I'm cautious to talk to God like that. I want you to hear what he's saying. He's saying, God, look, it's not you, it's us. I know that. You're good. You're a covenant keeper. You have mercy on those that obey you and fear you. We messed up. And I just want you to understand you will get a lot further with God, acknowledging your sins, acknowledging why things are. I don't think it's a healthy thing for us, to judge God or to speak critically about him or critically to him. We saw in the book of Malachi that didn't fare well for them that spoke that way about the Lord. Amen. And so he's confessing the sins and he said, look, we acted very corruptly against you. And we have not kept your commandments, your statutes, your ordinance, which you commanded. we didn't keep the law. Like you said, I know why I know why this is happening. It's a healthy thing when you're praying your own self that we be honest in our, our confession. When you pray to God and you confess your sins, you might as well be honest, right? It's not like it's, it's nothing that he doesn't know. It's not like he don't know everything. So, you know, confession is a it's an important part of our prayer life because God requires that of us. You know, it says in First John one 9, if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. Somehow, God, even though He knows what you've done, God wants you to tell Him. I'm sorry I I, I spoke to that sister in that way. I'm sorry I I did my brother like that. I'm sorry I stole that. I'm sorry I I hit them. I'm sorry I, whatever, when you get, when you do wrong and you confess, I think it's not right when we confess vaguely. God, just forgive me for all my sins today. No, 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 no. I'm telling you, if you want to, if you want sanctification to have its way, Say what you did. Hear yourself say it to God. I'm sorry I was snappy with the kids today. I'm sorry I kicked the dog, Lord, for nothing. I mean, just confess what you did, honestly, to the Lord. you will be amazed at how that will impact you next time you think about doing it. Because I got to say this again to God. It, 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 it's, it has a sanctifying effect. So he confesses. He's very clear about what he's confessing. Verse 8, we're going to see that he prays according to the word of God. And so our knowledge of the word will really inform our prayer life. Our our knowledge of the word is helpful. He says in verse 8, remember, I pray, the word that you commanded your servant Moses saying, if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, Though some of you were cast out to the farthest parts of the heaven, yes, I will gather them from there and bring them to the place which I have chosen as a dwelling for my name. And so he says, God, remember your word. And he reminds God of why it went wrong. I remember your word that tells us that if we are unfaithful, that you're going to scatter us. That's what happened. But you also said, if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, though you were cast out to the farthest parts of the heaven, Yet I will gather them from there and bring them to the place which I have chosen as a dwelling place for my name. There is something powerful about praying according to the word of God for you and for the Lord. It doesn't really do anything for God, but you can pray with confidence when you're praying according to the word of God. Amen. I'm saying, God, look what you you said this. So I know I mean, I know this is what you want, Lord, you know. And it's okay to bring up God's word. I think it's a healthy thing to if there's if you're praying for something, you can remember verses that go along with it and you you praise the word and pray according to the word. The word is what kind of connects us with God's heart. God the the reason why I know what you want is cuz I read it in the word. I know that you want them to be saved. I know you want to save the lost. I know you want to you know you want us to minister to hurting people. I know you want to take care of that need and so God I'm asking you to do what I already know you want to do in your word. You can pray confidently. Um, and that and you can pray um, full of faith that God, what I'm asking is what I know you want to do. And so eight, and nine, he prays according to the word of God. And then verses 10, 11, um, he makes his requests on behalf of God's people. And so he says in verse 10, now these are your servants and your people whom you have redeemed by your great power and by your strong hand. Uh, He's reminding God that he's redeemed them before. Um, You know, Israel had been captive in, in Egypt when God first delivered them and brought them into the relationship and brought them into the covenant. And so he said, look, you've redeemed them by your great power, your strong hand. Oh, Lord, I pray, please let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant. And to the prayer of your servants who desire to fear your name and let your servant prosper this day, I pray. And grant him mercy in the sight of this man. Who's the man he's talking about? King. What's going to unfold in the book is this. He wants to, he wants, Nehemiah wants to go be a part of seeing this thing put back together again. But he's got a job in the palace. Now, you know, you can't walk up to the king and say, King, it's been nice working here. I've enjoyed, you know, drinking your drink and, you know, but now I'd like to go. You know, you can't do that to the king. Um, You might be you might be dead before you finish making your request. That's not you don't get this. That's not the kind of job it is. And so he's in a unique place where he's like, God, the only way I get out of this situation, you got to do something. You have to move on my behalf. Um, It, it says, you know, he, that, you know, it says, I pray that you grant him mercy in the sight of this man. He says, for I was the king's cupbearer. So it's going to take a move of God for him to get permission Uh, We're going to see next week because I I don't want to spoil it all for you guys, but he's going to need permission to go. A bunch of peas. He's going to need provision. It takes money to build. Um, He's going to need protection uh, because he's got to, you know, he's got to travel through some places where they're not going to be favorable. You know, he needs a lot of things to happen. And here's the beautiful thing. You know how he gets it all done? On his knees. This is, this is where he's laying the foundation here. The gap between chapter one and chapter two is about four months. And so he doesn't, this is not just a one-time thing. He doesn't just pray this one day. He's not moved to his emotions one day and pray a really emotional prayer and go on about his life. This is a burden that he's carrying as he's there before the king. We're gonna see next week, the king is gonna look at him one day and say, bro, what's wrong with you? You know, you, you can't be before the king looking like you unhappy. And the king is gonna see him and say, Man, what's wrong with you? And then and he's going to, then that's going to be the open door. But here's the amazing thing, right? He didn't know how to open that conversation. He didn't go to the king and say, king, please, this is what I want to do. I have a burden from God. He just prayed. And one day the king looked at him and said, hey, let me talk to you, man. What's, what's going on with your face looking like that in my presence? And he shares what's burdened his heart. Uh, and, and the king is going to give him everything he asked for. And and God's going to begin through this man's life. And so something, I I I I don't know how to say this stronger. I want so bad that we wouldn't read this book and just be like, oh, Nehemiah, I read that book. It was about him. We got to read this and this has got to teach me how to engage God. This has to teach me how to be as I'm a believer. I got burdens. There are things that right now I'm looking and saying there's things that I know God wants to do that and I know God can do them and it's going to take a move of God for them to... I want to be a part of what God's doing. I am a part of this. This church here was born out of burden. God's done so much. There's so much more he wants to do. I know there are people here that God is burdened in certain ways. And so as we pray for what those burdens are, as we bring these things to God and God continues to stir our hearts that we look for God to do what only he can do, for God to provide and supply and move all the things that we desire to see happen. God can do it. I believe God wants it. It's something to cry out for, for God to do. And, um, and I would challenge us here, man, what, what's God burdening you for that matters for the kingdom, right? Not for you, not, oh, I really want a new job. I want to be blessed. God, to you be blessed you with a new, car, I'm burdening for a new car so I can take somebody to church. Not talking about that. I'm talking about a real, what's, what's he stir your heart up about? When I was doing high school ministry, I had these brothers. Um, they were named John and Jeffrey. They were twins, Asian kids. And one of them just had a burden to be a doctor to help people because he felt like if he could be a doctor, he could really help people. Um, And, you know, Jesus helped save lives. He's like, man, doctors are kind of like we do what Jesus did in a lot of ways. We help save. But He was he was just from I mean, I can remember him coming from junior high to high school. That was his vision. Got a twin brother, completely different kid, not really concerned about school like that. And this kid goes to school. He gets into a program. He does some mission work. He gets accepted into a program, finishes the program. He's a doctor right now, full on. And he's, he's doing exactly what his vision was to do as a kid. He's a medical missionary. You know, he got all this thing. He did all the years of extra stuff and he's doing what God called him to do. And I'm, I'm looking at him like, man, that was what he said was his, that was, that was, that's what God put in his heart. If I was on a, if I was some third world country aching and hurting and pain, and what a blessing that some Christian group comes and somebody that spent their all kind of money getting trained in in America comes over and they minister to your medicinal needs that your country can't do for you for free in the love of Christ. It's a ministry now. And I look at that and I think, that was all those years of school, all those years of, you know, all the, what did do the doctors got to do? They got a it's not volunteer work, but they got a residency. All of that time spent, he, when he did his residency, he was working at Starbucks, you know. All those years of that so that I can now go give. It. But it used to be a burden. Now, that burden required prayer, hard work, and somebody had to fund it. But right now, it's it's, it's making good on, it's, its intended end.
0: Thank you for joining us here today on A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. Pastor Bill is making his way through the fascinating book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah's purpose was to make sure the walls and gates of Jerusalem were built, a project that required considerable resources. But in this book, we see that resources are never a problem for God. When Nehemiah talked to the king, he not only gave him permission to go build the wall, but he sent him loaded down with all the resources he would need to finish the work. If God can do that with a pagan king, imagine what he can do with your willing heart. A Transforming Word is a ministry out of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. And we have a question for you. Would you like to be a part of what God is doing through this great ministry? Do you wanna be a part of God's word going out into the world? One way you can do that is through praying for us. We need all the prayer we can get, but we'd also like to offer you the opportunity to partner with us financially. Here's what you need to do. Head over to CalvaryEnglewood.org to give online or download our mobile app to give that way. Once again, that website is CalvaryEnglewood.org, and you'll find a link to our mobile app right there as well. While you're there, check out the other resources we have to offer you, like archived messages or you can follow along with our daily Bible reading plan. And with that, it's time to say goodbye for now. We'll see you here again next time with more from Nehemiah on A Transforming Word.